Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. Hello, everyone. Welcome into Stacking the Box. I am Matt Berteram, usually joined by Mark Carmen, but he's deciding to continue to self-loathe at Chicago Bears OTAs today. Uh, it'll be the last show that he's not here for due to that. Good for him and probably good for the Bears who get rid of Carm. Uh, but in the meantime... I'm here. I appreciate everybody who's joined me uh, live here. Mike in Sweden, Gonzo, Lucas, you guys are here all the time, as you are, of course, on the Arrowhead Attic podcast, which goes up every Thursday if you're interested. Uh, but we do have a lot to get to. It is usually the time of the year where it's not very busy. Um, you know, it's June 14th, right? I mean, that is the dead period of the dead period in the NFL. We're a month away from the franchise tag deadline. We are six weeks away from training camp, but a lot of teams right now are going through mandatory mini camp. Uh, that is where if guys do decide not to show up, it becomes a real story. It becomes a holdout because they're getting fined for that. Not like uh, voluntary OTAs. So this, this is an interesting week. Uh, and then really we do go into full blown hibernation. Of course, not right here on stack in the box. We'll be here every Tuesday. Um, and, and what's up to the Hefe and Oregon to join the, the chat as well. Appreciate it. Uh, and all of you, of course, who will listen later on, uh, wherever you may find the podcast, really do appreciate uh, you you listening in, especially this time of year. I know this is a time where, as I said, look, there's no games, there's there's no there's no free agency, there's no draft. So you're the diehards of the diehards. To start with Tyree Kill, there have been different clips that have been out there kind of making their way on the Twitter sphere. Mahomes is less accurate than Tua. Mahomes is going to have a tough time without him. The Chiefs, he felt disrespected him uh, by not you know, giving him the contract that he felt he deserved. That Miami eventually did think I'm worth five picks, but they don't think I'm worth, you know, eventually ended up getting, which was $30 million and over $70 million guaranteed. I, I did a spaces on this on Twitter yesterday, uh, but I know all of you have lives and probably didn't get to hear any or all of it. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about it uh, in a more of a nuanced way, I hope, here for the next few minutes. Tyree Kill has every right to feel jilted by the Chiefs, okay? He has, he has every right to feel like he's he's not getting the, the love that some of the other guys have gotten, okay? He's he's looking at it and saying, I'm sure, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not on a text thread with him, but I'm sure that he's sitting there and saying, look, Patrick Mahomes got $500 million. Chris Jones got paid. Travis Kelsey got paid. Joe Tooney just got a fortune. 
Orlando Brown has not gotten paid yet, but also is in line to get a, you know, a big payday. Okay. Um, why didn't I get paid? Now, the argument could be you already got paid. You got paid three years and $60 million a couple of years ago, which was at the time top of the line. Okay. It wasn't like it was some discount deal. He got a lot of money. The bottom line, though, is, and this has not been just reported by me, but it's been out there all over the place. He was in a position where he was going to sign an extension with Kansas City. They were moving towards that. The Devontae Adams trade and then subsequent signing with the Raiders really changed the calculus. It became such that if Kansas City was going to, and they were going to have to a third year, it became pretty obvious pretty quickly that was going to be a problem. The Chiefs could have played hardball with Tyreek Hill here. Okay, instead of doing what they did, which was trade him to Miami, the Chiefs could have said, you're going to make $21 million this year. Okay, We're not moving you. We're not moving you. You are going to play on that deal. And for those people who, who sit out there and say, well, he wouldn't have done that, he, he would have held out. No, he would not have. Under the new collective bargaining agreement, you are fined if you're under contract, which Tyreek Hill was, $50,000 a day, and it's non-refundable. The team cannot give back the fine. Used to be teams could fine you and fine you and fine you, and then you'd show up the last day of camp, and they would just hand back the fines, right? You can't do that anymore by the CBA. So the, the, the bottom line is he was not going to hold out. Maybe he would have held out for a week. Too. I mean, he would not have held out for any meaningful amount of time or would have forfeited millions and millions of dollars, Okay. Brett Veach could have very well said to him, if you wanted to, you're playing this season. At the end of the year, we can talk about an extension or more likely, frankly, we're going to franchise tag you. And at that point, you cannot sign the tag. It can get ugly or you can sign the tag, play the year out. Now you're 30 hitting free agency and it's a hell of a lot different than being 28. The Chiefs did not do that. They went out, they sought offers, they got offers from the Dolphins and the Jets, and they left it up to Tyreek Hill, which one he wanted to take. They did nothing wrong by Tyreek Hill. They offered him, per my understanding, a lot of money in the first two years of the contract. They were not willing to go into a third year with major guarantees, and I don't blame them. As great as Tyreek Hill is, that's a huge risk going into your 30s with a receiver who's predicated on speed. And look, he's more than just speed. He's a great route runner. He's got, he, he can get himself open better than anybody I, I think I've ever seen, maybe outside of Jerry Rice and Randy Moss, okay? But let's not pretend that the Chiefs just screwed him over. That's simply not true. And so I do think there is a little bit of, of, of bizarrely to this where he just keeps going at them. Look, he's a lot of the human being. He really wanted to be there. And felt it didn't work out. And there was one thing he said in the podcast that I thought was interesting. He talked about the fact that when he was negotiating with Kansas City, trying to get a new deal, that he reached out to Pat to, to Patrick Mahomes. And basically, I'm paraphrasing, but hey, help help get the deal done. Well, it didn't get done. And then after that, there was that, that talk about, hey, he's not as accurate as Tua and, and all this other, frankly, nonsense. Perhaps he feels like Mahomes didn't go the extra mile for him. Maybe he feels like Mahomes didn't really feel that he was as valuable as he is. I get it. If that's the if that's the feeling, maybe there's some some uh, you know uh, some bitterness there. Okay, 
I would also sit there and say, though, what are you that upset about? You're getting $30 million a year living on South Beach. Like, that's a pretty damn good deal. And you're on a team that, look, they're not the Chiefs, but they're good, right? I mean, the Dolphins have had a winning record each of the last two years. It's not as though you're stuck on some team that's terrible. It's not, And it was your choice to go there. You made that decision. So I don't, I don't know that you are really in a spot. If you're Tyree Kill, you should be upset. You, you got paid. Maybe you didn't get paid where you wanted to get paid. Maybe privately you would have preferred to stay in Kansas City and play with Patrick Mahomes. Didn't work out. It's the way it goes. But I, I honestly think there's a there's a bitterness there just from reading the tea leaves. And I heard the same podcast you all heard. I think there's some some feelings that maybe Mahomes didn't go the, the extra mile to get him signed. I can't tell you if that's true or if it's not. I've reached out to people around the Chiefs. Nobody's talking about this. And frankly, probably wisely right like why i get into a war of words let let drew rokel say what they will go win 13 games if you're the chiefs and move on um i think long term it was probably a smart move by the chiefs now short term i think it's going to hurt them okay they can replace his numbers in the aggregate with guys like juju smith schuster and marcus valdez scantling and sky Moore, and maybe a little bit of an ascension from mccall hardman but you're not going to replace the threat that Tyree Kill is. Tyree Kill changes the way teams defend you. That's not going to be the case with any of those other receivers I just mentioned, unless Sky Moore just turns out to be unbelievable. But I don't think you can count on that from a second-round rookie right off the bat. I, I do think this hurts the Chiefs this season. Um, But I... I Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. I also believe that the Chiefs season is largely going to come down to their defense and how well they, their, their younger kids play. And if their younger kids play well, I think they'll be just fine. Uh, but as for Hill, look, you're going to go to Miami now. And the one worry I would have if I'm a Dolphins fan, hell, if I'm part of the organization, he was very bitter, clearly bitter, about that he felt he should have been targeted more, he should have had more of a, of a role in the offense. I wrote about this in Stack in the Box, the column on Monday. He was targeted 159 times last year, which ranked sixth in the league. If you go for the last four years, the duration of Mahomes' starting career, Hill, of any player that's played at least 55 games in that stretch, he ranks eighth in targets per games played. Everybody else on the list is Far and away the best receiver on their team. Far and away. Okay. The only guy who's not far best receiver on their team, there's two of them on the list. Hill's one of them, and there's one other one. Travis Kelsey. He's seventh. I mean, and they almost have the exact same number, right? I think Kelsey was 8.9 targets per game. I think I, I'm doing this off memory. I think Hill was 8.6. Like, Hill got fed constantly. But I would worry if I'm a Miami fan 
he didn't feel like he got enough of a share in that organization's offensive scheme. You're now going to the Dolphins where Mike McDaniel comes from San Francisco. San Francisco runs the hell out of the football. There's no reason to think that's going to stop any day soon. Why is, do you think McDaniel's all of a sudden going to turn into Air Coriel with Tua? That's not going to happen. Uh, Tyreek's going to be doing a lot more of watching them hand the ball off. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not going to get his targets and not going to get his share because, he believe me, you pay $30 million a year, he's getting the football, and he should. He's a great player. But that offense is going to be fundamentally different. That is not going to be Andy Reid's, we're going to throw the ball 40, 45 times here. That's that's not happening in Miami. As things are going well, they're, they're within low of the game. Two is throwing the ball 25 times. Okay. I would almost guarantee you that Hill's getting less targets here. And I would really guarantee you he's getting less deep ball targets. I forget who said this on Twitter. I want to give them credit. Certainly not my stat. It was on it was out there though. Last year, nobody threw the ball more than 20 yards in the air more than Patrick Mahomes. Nobody. Tua ranked 36th. Hill's game is going to fundamentally change. Now, he's he's got more than enough talent to catch a five-yard slant and go 70. We've, we've seen that a million times. But it's going to be different for him. And if he didn't like the fact that there were some games where he was held down a little bit, which, by the way, happens to everybody, he's really going to struggle with that in Miami. Where teams are just going to say, well, you don't have another Travis Kelsey. I like Jalen Waddell as much as the next guy. He's not the threat Travis Kelsey is. Okay, He, he maybe is the big play threat, but he's not the down-in, down-out threat to Kelsey. I mean, Kelsey's going to walk into Canton one day. Okay, If you're playing the Dolphins, you're absolutely going to try and take away Tyreek Hill. That's what you're doing. Okay. If you're let's let's just say you're Buffalo. If you're the Bills, you're putting Tredavious White on Tyreek Hill. And if you have to, you're rolling a safety. You're doing whatever it takes, right? Or you could do the Belichick thing, which is put your number one corner on the number two receiver, which I always love that scheme, right? So you could put White on Waddle, and then you could put a corner, in this case, probably be Elam the rookie, which is dangerous on Hill, and then you double with one of the safeties. Point being, look, if you play Kansas City, you always have to pick your poison, right? Like, you're going to double Kelsey, you're going to double Hill. Now you're going to double Hill. Just like in Kansas City now, you're going to double Kelsey. Kelsey's going to have a lot harder time getting his numbers this year, which is why I think it hurts him more than anything else. But we'll move on. I just think with Hill, a lot of the stuff that was said, like, I get having hurt feelings. He's human. Okay, maybe you want to be there, but it's bizarre. Like, there's just no reason to be upset about the fact that they they really, quite honestly, did you a pretty big solid by trading it. They could have been a real pain in the ass about that, and they weren't. All right. Want to move to the nation's capital. They've had some stories the last week. It feels like stories the last 20 years straight. Um, and by the way, thank you again, Terry, for joining me here live. I know at the very beginning had a little bit of a connection issue. I apologize. We've had a couple of these. I don't know if that's because there's been storms in the area or what, what may uh, be causing that. But I do appreciate everybody sticking with me there for that that minute where it was a little choppy. Hopefully it's good now. Um, look, in Washington, you have the stuff that's been going on with Jack Del Rio the past week, okay, which forget your political lean. I mean, it's just it's been a distraction, period. And then you have the Terry McLaurin stuff. Now, I'm going to spend most of these next 15 minutes before we're joined by Ben Heisler, bedsided. I'm going to spend most of it on McLaurin and then a quick vignette on, on Del Rio. 
So Terry McLaurin is not at Washington's camp right now. Okay. He is willing to hold out. He's in the last year of his rookie contract. McLaurin is a phenomenal talent. He does not get talked about nearly as much as he should from a national perspective because he's been on a team that frankly has not been good most of his career. And so he gets forgotten a little bit. He is one of the 10 best receivers in okay. And he's young, he's ascending. He's been on teams with no quarterback throughout his entire career. And yet he's gotten it done. Okay. If you want to look so in three years, here are his numbers. If you're unfamiliar, rookie year 2019, 58 catches, 919 yards, seven touchdowns. 2020, 1118 yards on 87 receptions, four touchdowns. And last year, seven had missed a, a couple games with injury. 77 catches, 1053 yards, and five touchdowns. Again, no receiver to help pull coverage away. And Mediocre to bad quarterback play all the way across the board. And yet Washington has not paid him yet. Look, I've got news for Washington and the commanders. They're going to pay him or somebody else is going to. But one way or the other, Terry McLaurin's about to get his money. Okay? Washington has a couple choices here. The commanders can sit there and say, hey, look, we're not going to pay you this offseason. You're not going to hold out the whole time because you can't. Okay. And, and, and that's true. We're going to wait it out. We're going to make play out this year. And then after the season, we'll talk extension. If we have to, we'll tag you. It's an option. They could extend him right now. So I'm going to get into what that would look like in a second. But that, that's another option. Third option, which I don't think they'll take, but they could theoretically, is trade him. Now, I think of the three, the most unlikely is the latter. I do not think they will trade him. He is too good of a football player in his mid-20s, coming off of the numbers I just reeled off with no quarterback. Okay? I am not a Carson Wentz fan. Carson Wentz is the best quarterback he's played with. And you get Curtis Samuel, who they brought in last year, who is supposedly going to be this number two receiver. He was hurt all of last season. He should be healthy this year. That would be a big boost for them. And, of course, they drafted Jahar Dotson in the first round out of Penn State. So, theoretically, McLaurin's not just going to be on an island anymore. Which is why, if I was Washington, I'd pay him now. Okay? It's only going to get more expensive. He's playing with the best quarterback he's ever played with. He has other weapons around him to pull some coverage, theoretically. I would pay him right now. We have seen the wide receiver market explode. Christian Kirk, four years up to $84 million, Okay? Never had 1,000 yards in a season. We just saw Cooper Cup, obviously a great player, get paid a fortune. Five years, $110 million, upwards of $75 million guaranteed, a record. Tyreek Hill, of course, we just talked about. Four years, $120 million, over $70 million guaranteed. Devontae Adams, similar contract, okay? Hunter Renfro just got paid uh, 18 a year, which I actually think is a bargain, quite honestly. He's an excellent player. Much got 20 million years offseason. I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy who is going to get paid a ton. By the way, I purposely left that one guy to comp, A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown got traded from Tennessee to Philly on the opening night of the draft and immediately got a four-year, $100 million deal, $57 million guaranteed. 
AJ Brown is the perfect comp for Terry McLaurin. Okay. They're both entering their fourth years. They've both been very productive for each of their first three seasons. It's not like Brown is a Johnny come lately. He's been great his whole career. Um, both have remained relatively healthy, McLaurin more so than Brown. Um, Brown has more touchdowns, 24 to 16, but McLaurin has more receptions and more yards. Um, I think they're very, very comparable players. And I think that if McLaurin were to sign tomorrow, he would want something like four and a hundred and probably about 60 million guaranteed. Okay. I I think that's about where he's going to come in right at that AJ Brown number. Usually this, the guy who signs ladder gets a tick more. Okay. I think he gets a tick more, but he's not going to get a ton more, but he's not going to get any less. Either. I'll tell you that much right now. So you're now in a position. If you're Washington, you either pay that freight or you pay more later, or you eventually move him, which would be next off season. I mean, if you move him again, the AJ Brown comp, right? What did it cost Philadelphia? It cost a first and a future third. I, I, I would pay that if I'm a team that needs a receiver. I'll tell you right now, if I was a team like the Packers, I'd trade for him in a heartbeat for a first and a third round pick. I, no question. I'll tell you right. I've met, we've talked about this team a lot. If I'm Kansas City, a first and a third rounder, you have two thirds next year. I'd do it in two seconds. Trade for Terry McLaurin. They got the cap space. There are a lot of teams I would throw in that mix and say, yeah, I'd go get Terry McLaurin. Okay. I mean, two thirds of the league should at least make that phone call. Um, But Washington, like, if you let him walk out the door, not only are you losing your best offensive player by a considerable margin, you're also sending the message, we don't pay our guys. We'll pay all day long to Landon Collins of the world, right? These free agents. We'll, we'll pay them a fortune. We won't pay our own guys. We'll pay William Jackson. We'll pay Curtis Samuel, not our guys. That matters in locker rooms. That's a real thing in locker rooms. You talk to players, you talk to GMs around the league, that factors in. Guys think about that kind of stuff. When you don't pay your own, but you're willing to pay outside, it sends a message. You're not going to get rewarded here. They didn't reward Brandon Schreff, who's one of the best guards in football. They let him walk out the door. They didn't reward Kirk Cousins. They let him walk out the door. And they say whatever you want about Kirk Cousins. They've not replaced him. And Kirk Cousins maybe is an elite. He's a good quarterback, and they have not had a good quarterback since he left. They don't pay their own in Washington. And it's a problem. And if you're not going to – I mean, you, look, there's been, you know, reported rumors that, hey, you know, Washington maybe doesn't want to get into that high-end part of the market. Well, then they might as well trade him because they're going to have to pay him. I mean, what do you think? Terry McLaurin's taking $15 million a year? It's not going to happen. There's no way that's going to happen. And it shouldn't happen. If I was Terry McLaurin's agent, I'd tell him to go scratch. I'd make $25 million a year, $60 million guaranteed, or don't even talk to me because we will play this out. If I'm McLaurin – I would not hold out in camp because you can't afford it. Mandatory mini camps and everything. That's fine. You make a point. If, if I'm Terry McLaurin, I would play the year, hope to God I stay healthy. And then in the I would tell them, don't talk to me. You didn't try to sign me. Don't waste my time. And if tag me, I'm not signing the tag. And then I can hold as long as I want because I'm not under contract. 
then I can play hardball. Then I've got the leverage. And I'm forcing a dysfunctional organization's hand, and I feel pretty good about that. I've talked to many people in the league about Washington over the last couple of years. I wrote a sweeping piece about, at the time, the, 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 the football team. might have been before that moniker. Um, and there was a lot of vitriol toward them. Now, to be fair, since that piece, I mean, some, some things have changed. Bruce Allen is out. Daniel Snyder supposedly has less of a role. But it's not, look, it's not an organization that you look at and say, oh, it's peak function, right? So with McLaurin, I just don't understand. If you're them, why wouldn't you pay him? Like, what, what else could you possibly want? Is the point of drafting players to have good quality talent on your team cheap for the first three to four years. And then after that, for the next four or five years on a steeper contract. Yeah. That, is that, is that not the point? Now it's one thing. If you just have so many guys, you got to pick and choose. Washington does not have that problem. Washington can do whatever it wants financially, or at least should be able to, right? I mean, they, who are they paying that you'd look at and go, that's a blue chip level player. And obviously some guys on the front line, they're going to have to pay here. You know, guys like a chase young, that's not precluding them from signing Terry McLaurin. If you don't have a star quarterback, a top eight guy, let's say in the league, and you have a cap problem, you suck with the cap. Like I'm always amazed how New Orleans, now New Orleans has been pushing money back from since, since the Roman empire, which is why their cap situation is such a disaster. But like how they haven't just decided to eat it a little bit boggles my mind the falcons are another team now the falcons of course is trading matt ryan they're eating all kinds of dead money these teams have bad cap situations and no quarterback i mean that's impossible now part of that is because they used to have quarterbacks and they just push money and push money and push money it's a horrible way to do business over the long haul it provides you a little bit more of a window in the short term Washington has no such problem is not a great quarterback. You should have no problem signing McCormick, and there's no guaranteed money to his contract going forward. Quickly on Jack Del Rio here with four minutes, and then Ben Heisler, bet side, it's coming on. So, look, with Del Rio, we don't have to go into the whole political sphere of this, okay? There's no point. It's in, in honestly where I'm going with this isn't political. But for context, he Talked last week, and he mentioned that you know, the January 6th at the Capitol, he called it a dust-up, okay? Obviously, downplaying is something that was of, of significance, uh, where you know five people either directly or indirectly lost their lives out of it. The reason I bring it up, now he, he ended up putting out a statement afterwards and was fined, and, and, and Ron Rivera, the head coach in Washington, has kind of come out and, and, and chastised him over it, but also has kept him on staff. I don't have a strong opinion as to whether or not he should be on staff. I know some people feel like he should not be anymore. He should have been fired. Some people feel like he should still be there. He's got a right to say whatever he thinks. Fine. I'm not going to argue either of those sides. What I will say is, is I did see a report this morning that Del Rio apologized to the team. I think that's meaningful for this reason. I don't care what your political bend is. The The job of a football coach is to be able to command the room and coach his team, okay, or in this case, the coach's defense. If you can't do that because you've lost respect in the room, 
you are no longer an important part of the franchise. In fact, you're a detriment. Del Rio needs to maintain respect in that room. And based off of the way he he talked about January 6th and he compared it to the protest following George Floyd's murder in, in Minnesota, look, that's going to rankle some players. I mean, you saw, if, you, if you're on Twitter, you may have saw a lot of players, not even just in Washington, but outside the organization, spoke out. Shelby Harris being one of them. Melvin Gordon being one of them. Okay, uh, or in Harris's case, of course, now in Seattle, formerly of Denver, who had an opinion on it. Um, and there were many who spoke out. And look, that's going to be a topic of conversation. Like you can't lose the room. If you lose the room, you're done as a coach. You're done. Head coach, coordinator, position coach doesn't. You are done in the room if you lose the room. That is a serious problem for Del Rio. That defense was supposed to be a top five defense last year, and it stunk. He's already look. Let's call it what it is. His ass is already on the line based off of the way that team performed last year defensively. That was supposed to be one of the best defenses in the league, and it was a tire fire. Okay, and they underperformed as a team and as a defense. You need, if you're Del Rio, to have a bounce back year. It's a bad way to start the year. It's a bad way to start the year. Okay, I don't care what his beliefs are on on politics and whatnot. Okay, I do think his characterization of January sixth was was gross. But the bigger football version issue of this is he needs to keep the room. And that's not helping the situation. All right. Let's bring in Ben Heisler of BetSided. Joins us every single week. He's saving all of us from me having to talk more. uh, And I'm sure bore you even more to death. So, Ben, how you doing? We're without Karn. We can trash him for a half hour. That sounds like... There, why even prepare for anything if we got that? That's that's right up our alley. But good to see you, man. You've been holding it down for the, the last 30 minutes, doing well. A lot, uh, lot of discussion, a lot of things to be able to dive into this week, which is nice. Yeah, you know, we've been talking a little bit about uh, what has been, I guess, the lead story other than the Deshaun Watson stuff, which I just cannot bring myself to talk about every week. But uh, we talked about Tyreek Hill and his commentary on Mahomes. Um, and then we talked a little bit about Washington and Terry McLaurin and the fact that they can't quite seem to uh, figure out what to do there. I'm curious, and we can go into a whole bunch of different things here, but from a betting perspective, your thoughts on, on Tyree Miami, how do you think that plays out? Uh, do you like him to have a huge year there? Do you think he takes a step back because of, of uh, going from Holmes to Tua? I mean, where, where do you fall on some of this stuff? It's so interesting because Hill will have those games that he kind of complained about where going from, you know, 12 catches and 189 yards to like a three and 43 type of performance. Right. You kind of just figure like, okay, there's going to be more attention paid to him. There's going to be different matchups. Like that was always what, what Mahomes and Reed were doing, right. They were playing into the matchups and while times like Kelsey probably got more consistent targets and volume, the, the reality was is that in the middle of the field, there just weren't enough guys to be able to take him down one-on-one, and it was a more advantageous opportunity to use him. Could the Chiefs have maybe used Tyreek Hill even more effectively? Probably, but it's hard to argue with the results of the last several years considering where they got him from as a result of him falling in the draft and then moving his way up. Like, 
I could see a scenario in Miami where Hill is getting possibly more targets than he did in Kansas City. And Tua's numbers, and I saw this from Warren Sharp, actually indicate that on deep passes, he's one of the better throwers in the league. Now, sample size compared to Mahomes, I'm still taking Mahomes every time to throw the ball deep than Tua. And I don't yeah. think I'm necessarily breaking news by saying this. I hope but not. It wouldn't surprise me if he has a fine year, but there's a lot of weapons in Miami too, and they're going to run the ball a lot. So I don't think it's reasonable to go ahead and just assume that because Hill's now the de facto number one guy, that the numbers are going to take this massive step in the right direction. Like he might get targeted a little bit more, but there's still plenty of options in Miami and they're going to be running probably more often than Kansas city, whoever was going to do. So I think he'll have a fine season, but I don't think it's going to be anything earth shattering that maybe he's setting these unfair and unreasonable expectations for himself. I agree, Ben. I talked about this at the beginning of the show. Look, this is not Kansas City's scheme. They're going to play like San Francisco and they're going to run the ball and they're going to want to throw 25 times a game. This is not going to be with Andy Reid Mahomes where 25 times, I mean, you could do that in a half. And that's the way they want to play. It'll be the same thing. I find it really interesting. I, I think, look, I I mentioned earlier, and I'll, I'll say it one more time, I really do think that if you're a Dolphins fan, the one concern I would have coming out of that podcast is, he, as you mentioned, he talks about targets and, and you know how he kind of would vacillate from game to game. Yeah. I would be shocked if he gets 159 targets this year, which is what he got last year. They just don't throw the ball that much. Right. Like they, there is no world where I think he's getting 160-plus targets and as much as I like Jalen Waddle, and I like him a lot, you're not going to pull coverage from Hill to take away Jalen Waddle. You're just not going to do that. Where with Kelsey, at times, you would do that. You would double Kelsey, depending on the down, depending on the, on the situation, depending on your defensive schematics and the players you have on defense. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting. I don't know if there's even over-unders out yet for like catches and yards and all that stuff. Um, I have no idea if that's out this early. But – Hill's a fascinating one, man, because you really have to think at some point you're like, even if he's targeted a lot by Miami standards, it's probably not going to be as much as he would have been targeted in Kansas City. No doubt. I mean, it's still back to back, you know, plus 1200 yard receiving seasons. Um, you know, the last two years before 2021, he averaged just under 15 yards per catch. Yep. So again, like deep downfield, where you can use him so effectively, which Mahomes is able to do. Also in a lot of those short screens, quick slants, like Dolphins have a couple guys that can you can be used very effectively there. But you're right. It's a different scheme. It's a different perspective. And Mike McDaniel, there's still a lot of unknown, even though the system that he was working with in San Francisco was a very effective one. You know, I don't want to come on the show and say, well, you know, it was Kyle Shanahan's system and Mike McDaniel was running like he got right. the Miami job in likely because of how he took that scheme and used it very effectively and was a solid play caller in the mix. I'm not like here to, to diminish his credentials, but you also know what you're going to get from the Kansas city offense that you just don't know in Miami. So there's, there's reason to be optimistic, but it's just not going to be the same. And, for him to have those expectations now that it's been a little bit less consistent. Like, I don't, I don't know what Tyreek Hill wants. That's, that's kind of what I'm seeing here is like, do you want to go from a team where you were getting the ball a ton 
maybe just not as consistently as you would like to be right. the guy each and every week. Maybe that's what he wants. And maybe he feels like that's what's going to help him earn even more money over the course of his career. But you can't tell me that you're going to Miami from Kansas City, putting yourself in a better, more advantageous spot to win a championship. The answer is not there. No. That's The answer is no. Oh, look, let's call it what it is. And I, I have no problem with any player who does this, but let, you went there for one reason. You went there for money, which is fine. That's fine. You got a finite career. Go get paid. You got your ring. But let's not pretend it's for any other reason. I mean, that it's the same reason why when guys sign a free agency with some team that's terrible, and it's like, what? Well, you, for the money. You went there. It's, it's why everybody goes and signs in Jacksonville. You got paid. And there's no state income tax. That's why you went right. to Jacksonville. Christian Kirk got, you know, $55 million <laughs> from a contender, $74 million from Jacksonville. Guess where he's going? Of course. You found out. And it's where he should go. But, like, come on. Like, what? Yeah, you, you get these people. Like, every once in a while, you get an athlete who's really honest about it. And they're like, yeah, listen, I just, it was, it was to be softer. I have respect for that guy. Like, just say it. You're all, it's all the truth. By the way, one thing I wanted to touch on just came down the wire. So, uh, you know, Carm, not doing his job as per usual, could have reported this. So, Robert Quinn is not with the Bears currently. He is working out on his own. He's, uh, it's, it, you know, Ian Rapport, by the way, uh, was the one who tweeted this out. Didn't say in the tweet if it was a mutual thing, but it doesn't sound like a holdout considering Quinn has three years left on his deal for a ton of money. So it, it seems more like you're 32 years old and we would like to trade you because we're trying to rebuild this team. So Robert Quinn, as I mentioned, is 32. He's got a cap hit of 17 million here, 17.1 to be exact. 18.2 the following point Now, 2024 is not really gonna happen i mean his his dead cap that year is 4.2 no team's paying him that unless he's unbelievable for his age 35 season however actually that was age 34 season however for the next two years this year obviously you would pay him if you traded for him the following year it's about split his dead money and his cap savings at 18.2 million i don't know about you that is a fascinating uh situation he had 18 and a half sacks last season on a team where a lot of times the opponent was running the ball because they were winning. Now, the year prior to that, he had two and a half. And then the year prior to that, he had 11 and a half. So two of the last three years, he's been fantastic. Last year, of course, a career year. He's 32. He's not cheap, but he plays a premium position. I would think there'd be a market, even at this late stage, for Robert Quinn, despite the contract and the age. Can I tell you something about Robert Quinn? I I wanted him to be the guy that the Bears tried to move this offseason, not Khalil Mack. Because I thought that you're trading Mack at its at his lowest possible value. Yeah. Mack's younger, um, still has a higher upside for sure than Quinn, even though Quinn let, listen, the, the Bears are one of those teams where you know that you haven't had much success at the quarterback position, but defensively. And at the running back spot, you know that that is a, a legacy team. And the fact that Robert Quinn came in and surpassed Richard Dent for the team's all-time leader in sacks, that's a big deal. And so that's absolutely somebody under a new regime, under a rebuilding year, that you should absolutely move. And, and to Ryan Poles' credit, and I, I, I still am buying into Poles' plan, even though Justin Fields really doesn't have anybody to throw to. I, I believe in his long-term vision for success in Chicago. Um, 
but he's he's not going to kill Quinn's trade value by saying, yeah, you know, we think it might be best for you know, Robert to find a, a position where he can contend right away because then immediately you lower your possible trade value for what you can get back. He said all the right things. We feel feel like Robert and Matt Eberflus' system is going to be a really good fit. We think that you know, what he can teach to a lot of our young guys is going to be monumental uh, and impactful. But of course they're trying to trade him. Like it wouldn't be in the best interest of the Bears long-term for them not to move on from right. him. You know, I, I'm trying to think of the team that has the cap space to be able to take that contract on. And the thing is that year in Chicago, that first year, he just was never healthy. Like, I know he played the amount of games, but like he wasn't healthy at all. Nicked up throughout the course of the season, never really got it going. Last year he was. And the year before going into free agency, he was healthy as well. Right. So I don't know that Giants have some cap space. Maybe they feel like at some point that's a team where he can go on and make a difference for, for them. But again, they're still in a rebuilding year. Uh, maybe you look at a team like like Dallas, if they have you know a decent amount of cap right, space. To uh, you know, I, I just don't know where exactly the fit is right now well, for them to be able to take on that type of money. But if you're asking me whether or not the Bears should move on from it or if they're planning to, I think the answer is, the answer is unequivocally yes. Yeah. The Pulse can't come out and say it. No, of course. And they, and they should – uh, because they're in a full-blown rebuild. I mean, by the time they're good, Robert Quinn's going to be doing analyst work. Uh, as Lucas S. points out, uh, and, and I and I thank him as the capologist here on Stacking the Box, and I, I should have thought about this, but I had it up on my phone um, and didn't think about it like a dope. So a team that trades, Quinn, or trades for Quinn, actually, as Lucas points out correctly, they would inherit zero dead money. That, that would not be going to them. Um, they would just pay base salary. Which again, as Lucas points out, out here is 12.9, 14 million, and 13 million. That that's a nice deal. I mean, you're basically going year to that point, and you can either move on, always restructure the contract, and put in guarantees for Quinn and lower the overall number. So it is advantageous. I wonder if you're the Bears, would you eat some of that money? Uh, you know, especially this year as you, you're in a rebuild anyway, but to get a better pick out of it. You know, that way you could yeah. get more teams in on it by saying, hey, look, we'll, we'll eat half his contract this year. We'll take half the money. You know, kind of like last year we saw the Broncos do with, with Von Miller. You know, they ate a lot of that money for the Rams, but they got better picks out of it. Yeah, um, second round pick, right? Second and third. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they got a great deal out of it. Uh, and, and so the Rams, they won a Super Bowl. So it worked out for both sides. I'll tell you the And team, to that point, Matt, just, just, just yeah, really quickly. Go ahead. Do you know what team is going to be by far and away the leader in cap space in 2023? I don't. I do not have the list in front of me. Oh, it's the Bears. Chicago Bears. Bears. Of course. Yeah, Bears yeah. are going to have upwards of 90. Million. Yeah, they're going to have upwards of 90 million according to Spotrack right now. Could be even as much as 100 if they move some of these other contracts yeah. around. So, so you can absolutely, yeah, you can take on a lot of that money if you need to to go ahead and get that pick. Yep. So it would be advantageous if that's the the route that they decide to go here. Yes, and and thanks to Lucas for making sure I'm on my point. Uh, I'm on point here, but you know when when I when I'm doing over the cap on my phone, it it doesn't end well. Um, so I, I appreciate the support. Um, look, I'll tell you one team right or wrong that's going to be linked to him a lot is Kansas City, because Poles is from Kansas City, and the Chiefs need edge. The Chiefs need edge rush. I mean, and they've got 12 picks next year. Like they're going to be linked to him. Now, keep in mind, the Chiefs drafted Carl Loftus, and they 
Look, from my understanding, is they're really, really high on him after seeing the early returns. Now, of course, it's OTAs. Like, I'm not trying to pump him up anymore or any, you know, but I'm just, look, they, they, they're happy with the pick. Let's put it that way. They're very happy they got him to begin with. Um, but they also have Frank Clark, who is expensive, but I don't know that that would preclude the Chiefs from going out and getting Robert Quinn if they could do it. Like the Chiefs this year have some cap space because they didn't move on Hill uh, or didn't sign him, moved them instead. So they have some cap space now into the future. Now, I don't know. Look, they've gotten younger and more athletic defensively. I don't know that Quinn fits that years old because, as Luke points out here, uh, you don't have dead money going forward. You could always just say, "Look, we're going to acquire him, and if it, and if it works out, great, cool. We'll we'll go to next year with him." If it and then he replaces Frank Clark. If it doesn't work out, cut him, and we get the cap space, and and we we move on for whatever's going. You know, I mean, look, you're not going to be trading a first round pick for Robert Quinn at this point. You're probably talking a mid round pick. You know what's really fascinating? The Chiefs have an extra third round pick as a compensatory pick for Ryan Poles going to Chicago. Would the right. Chiefs trade the compensatory pick that they got because of Ryan Poles to Ryan Poles? I, I, it would make it would make sense. Here's the other thing too. I, I and and I continue to think about this not just from the Robert Quinn market, but also for the quarterback market. Is is Baker and Jimmy G continue to just sort of wallow in the wind um, with a clear indication that both of these teams are going to be moving on from these guys? Yeah, but. At this point, you would have to assume that those teams are holding out until somebody goes down with a training camp injury yeah. in the first few weeks, right? Like that's that's the only rationale here. And then all of a sudden that increases their trade value. It's not gonna be to the point where, you know, we saw this is what Sam Bradford get moved for a first round pick from for uh for the Eagles a handful of years ago. I mean, that's yeah. not gonna happen again. But it does, especially for a contending team knowing that you want to get somebody in as soon as possible, it does increase that value and the sense of urgency when you know that the season is just around the corner. Do you want to make sure you get that guy as early as possible? And for the bears, it's also advantageous to move on in the training camp period, because if Robert Quinn goes and tears his Achilles oh, you're in the first, you know, first game of the season, then you're, then you're screwed either way. So a deal's going to be a deal's going to get done here. I, I'm almost positive of it. I think they're just waiting for the the most opportunistic time to move on from him, and then you know, I they're not rooting for anybody to get hurt, but they're rooting for someone to get hurt. I mean, oh, listen, let's call it what it is. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure John Lynch right now is lighting candles every night for some quarterback to you know be be out for three months. I mean, that's just the way. Look, that's the NFL. It's the truth. They they are they're. If you're the Niners, you're sitting there with Jimmy Garoppolo and you're going, all right, if somebody gets hurt in a preseason game, that that's a lot of leverage for us. That And, and the flip side of that is, if nobody gets hurt in the preseason, they're screwed. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, which actually, so let's let's move to that quick because I actually wanted to talk about that in the opening and then and then I, I decided to go a different direction. I figured it's safe for another week. But So the 49ers right now are sitting there. They've obviously got Lance. They've got Garoppolo. Garoppolo's rehabbing off of the, the, the shoulder. He yeah. hasn't he hasn't been at OTAs or anything. No reason to be. But should be ready for training camp. If he's still with the Niners, do you see them going 
with Garoppolo or Lance to start? Like, just it, first day of camp, assuming Garoppolo is fully healthy. Rep one with the first team. Is it with is it with the kid or is it with Garoppolo? I think you have to go with Lance if your plan has been to move on from Garoppolo over the course of the offseason. I maybe it's a bad example, but this is sort of the first thing that comes to mind. So, you know, in Chicago, Justin Fields is now the number one clear starter. He was not at the beginning of his rookie season last year. But the issue for Chicago was in their mind, they still thought they had to contend because it was a make or break year. So Fields didn't get the reps that he needed with any of the ones. He comes in in week three, gets sacked nine times by the Browns, never establishes any sort of a rapport with Allen Robinson. And the whole season he's playing from behind. If the objective of the 49ers is to be a contender with Trey Lance as your quarterback, and that's been the plan this entire offseason, and you know that these front offices and coaching staffs have a plan of who should be at the top of the depth chart, you have to go with that guy. Because if all of a sudden now you say Lance is the guy and then you bench him for no reason, you, you lose an opportunity for a full year of experience under a guy that's still in year two of a rookie contract that needs the reps to move forward so you can actually get a real quality um right. sense of analysis of, of what this guy can be make a, a determination of, of whether or not down the road you're going to want to extend that rookie deal um if you bench him for garoppolo for him not doing anything wrong that's a confidence killer and listen these are grown men these are professional athletes they can certainly rebound and bounce back at any time but why take away from an opportunity to develop the guy that you believe is the long-term answer at that position, just because Garoppolo is there. Like if anything, it's an indication that if they don't move on from him, he is a perfect ready-made tailor-made replacement in the events that Lance were to go down. He can handle that in, th in theory better than Lance of going from being the starter, having waited his turn to then going back to the bench for him, not doing anything wrong. So I think it has to be Lance. No, I I'm with you. I, I, I do too. Look, you traded three first round picks for him. Like he's not ready to usurp Jimmy Garoppolo with this problem. It, it, it's an indication that he is not very good. And it's been interesting. You know, there have been like various reports sprinkled in throughout the offseason. Like the Niners don't love what they see. And then like right away, immediately it comes out. No, they love what they see. Like I, I'm very interested to actually watch him. And get an idea of what we're seeing. I don't care about last year where he played, you know, spot duty here. I actually want to see him play consistent snaps. What do you have in this kid? You better have something pretty damn good for three first round picks. And I, I just think with the Niners, look, I give Shanahan a lot of credit for in the last three years, twice getting to the NFC title game, once getting to a Super Bowl. With a quarterback who I think everybody can agree upon is is pretty maxed out as an average player. I don't think Garoppolo is ever going to be more than that. He is who he is. He's in his 30s at this juncture. Look, the Niners have been able to win a lot of football games with a quarterback who you have to basically scheme around. You know, I mean, you go look at that NFC title game. If Joukowsky Tart catches that arm punt from Stafford, how different is the world today? Okay? The Niners are going to the Super Bowl. They're playing the Bengals. The Bengals might be Super Bowl champs right now, for all we know. Okay? But I think you have to at some point here, if you're the Niners, say, listen, we're going to play Lance. And if he's great, then awesome. Then our ceiling is through the roof and we can win the Super Bowl. 
if he's not and he's terrible, well, then we had to find that out. Yeah. But we were never going anywhere beyond where we've gone with Jimmy Garoppolo. We're just not – like that Super Bowl year, everything went right for the Niners that year. Everything. They had a year where a lot of guys who have been injury-riddled, they'd help healthy. They had, they had a great round him. They had the best defense in the league. They, they, they rode what was a pretty weak NFC. They played the Vikings and the Packers in the playoffs. And the Packers had a great team. They killed both of them. And look, for 53 minutes, everything went right. And then, and then Mahomes happened, and it is what it is, and, and, and they, they fell short. But I don't know that you can count on a lot happening again, even last year in the playoffs. I mean, they, look, they played Dallas, who I'm not taking it away from the Niners. The Niners deserve to win that game. But Dallas just self-destructed in that game. It's got a million penalties. Um, the, the management of that game by McCarthy was ridiculous. Then the playoff game in Green Bay, I mean, Garoppolo couldn't get a yard in that game. They won the game because they blocked the punt. And that's why they won that game. So I just think ultimately, if you're the Niners, you have to move on. And if you're not better with Lance, that's a huge problem. But you might as well go for the upside than go with the same old, same old and win 10 games. And okay, you're good, but you're not you're not really competing for a Super Bowl unless every single star aligns. You might have a better read on this than I do. Because there were conflicting reports that 49ers front office and Shanahan may not have been in agreement on whether or not they thought Lance was the guy. Um, there are some conflicting reports that maybe Jones would have been a better fit for right. this offense, for this team at this point as a long-term answer. I, I don't know what the actual result is. I do know that with Lance's skill set, the ceiling is... It, it's objectively higher. And I don't think that that's saying much for debate, but my philosophy yeah. is, is that if you thought you were a contending team and at number three, at number three in the draft, you trade up three first round picks to get the quarterback of the future. That's an indictment on your starting quarterback. It has to be like, you can't look at it from another approach and say like, well, you know, we're just trying to make sure that, you know, long-term, eventually, if we believe we're going to stay in a championship window or rebuild and restart over and get back to a championship window that we have our guy long-term. If you think you're in a championship window right now, the quarterback matters. And they thought they needed more at that position. So to start Garoppolo at this point would, be, would go against that entire philosophy. I get one year. One year makes sense for a guy that played at North Dakota State that's incredibly raw, that's oozing with potential, and you want to develop in a fairly complex system. Yeah. I, I get that. But the, the the notion that they would go into this season just because they hadn't been able to trade Garoppolo and start him would be malpractice on the, on the point of the 49ers. Right, and at some point, too. I mean, Lance is going to become a, a rusty hinge. I mean, the guy's played one game in two years in North Dakota State because of COVID and everything else. and um. You know, between being benched last year, I mean, he's barely played the last couple of years. So, yeah. at some point, you got to get him out there. Um, by the way, as we're doing this, we're going to wrap up here in a few minutes. Deshaun Watson is speaking to the media in Cleveland, uh, live and in color. Right um, so that if, if he says anything of a note, we'll we'll pass that along. Right, right now, it's mostly just been the standards, and I want to clear my name, and, and I'm not questions because I can't, and so on and so forth. Nothing has been said that is uh, a bombshell. But he is speaking for the first time since he was introduced at a press conference in Cleveland. And so that is noteworthy, just that alone. But 
Anyway, to finish up on the Lance Garoppolo thing, I do, I do feel like the Niners have to roll with him. I mean, you just have too much invested. You know, and I know some people will say, and I've had people say this to me, well, what about Jordan Love? Yeah, Jordan Love's behind Aaron Rodgers. It's different. Aaron Rodgers is a hell of a lot better of a player. And by the way, that pick for the Packers is a train wreck. It's one pick, not three. Yes. Having said that, though, Love is another name that isn't being in the same type of conversation as Baker and Jimmy for potential moves this offseason for a team that could like, like if you're maybe Atlanta, Atlanta is an interesting spot because you have Mariota. You kind of know what he is at this point. Yes. You drafted Ritter, but I don't know. Like if you're a team that's got plenty of cap space and you want to at least consider the possibility of what love could be to me, like a, a rebuilding team makes right, why a not lot take a shot? sense to just roll the dice on somebody with his talent. Yeah. You haven't seen much of it. And the further he just waits and waits and waits, I don't know if it necessarily helps his trade value for green Bay at this point. I I'm with you. I'll give you another one. Same division, Carolina. What the hell do you have to lose if you're Carolina? Yeah. I mean, you you have I, I got news for the, the Panthers. Let me save them time. Sam Darnold is not the answer. Okay. Let me just save you all the words we're gonna have to listen to in August. Oh, you know, I think this is his year. He stinks. I can save all the time in the world. Um, I'm with you. Who did they, the Packers, who did they take in the draft? Did they take Did they take Corral they out of Corral. all this? They took Corral in the third. They traded back okay. into the draft because they're dysfunctional. And they, they took Mac Corral. Which maybe Mac Corral ends up being Joe Montana. I highly doubt it. But, yes, they took Mac Corral. And then, of course, Willis went to Tennessee. Well, I actually think that, that was a great pick by Tennessee. Yeah, I agree with that. There. I do. All right. We there's, got a quick there's a lot we're to hit in the chat. There's a lot to be considered. There is um, a few quick questions in the chat that I'm, I wanted to hit with us. Uh, Joshua asks us since Orlando Brown hasn't signed his franchise tag, he's not on the cap right now, correct? Uh, no, he is on the cap. Franchise tag a player, they're, they're not on the cap to cap hold. So he is on the cap. Um, any Anytime a player is tagged, even signed or unsigned, um, and, and by the way, Orlando Brown has signed his tag, but if, if, even if you haven't, that, that number is against the cap. Um, Jacob asks, uh, who has more to lose preseason Lance or Jimmy G? I, I don't know about you. Heiss. I, I think the answer has got to be Lance. I, I don't think Jimmy G has anything to lose at this point. He's getting paid either way. Lance has got to prove himself. Yeah. I think without question, because if he goes out and he struggles in the early portion of the season and, and Garoppolo for whatever reason is still on the roster, then yeah, you're going to get calls to go with the old reliable option that you know you can win, like you said, 10 or 11 games with as opposed to the upside play. So I do think it's an opportunity for Lance to have to step up. Yes, I, I do believe there's more pressure on him. I think Gonzo, our guy who's around all the time, asks, who finishes last in the NFC North? Is it the Bears or the Lions? I know this is home to you, Heiss. Uh, I'm sure Carm would be here irate right now at this question. I will uh, say quickly, I think it's going to be Chicago. Because I think Chicago is purposely just absolutely ripping this thing down to the studs. I actually think Detroit's a little better than people think they are. Like, I think the Lions could win six games and be feisty enough to be competitive in, like, 10 or 11 of them. Um, so I'll, I'll say Chicago. I think Chicago's the worst team in the division. It's going to be close. 
like the 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 idea for Chicago to go to Detroit and play Detroit twice a year as two automatic wins is no longer the case. Um, right. It just sort of depends on you know whether or not golf is actually going to show up for a few games a year. One of them being against Chicago. I'll they they both probably finish with like five or six wins. Um, I I'll say Chicago by a game, and they're both several games under five. Better or I, finishes I think, worse. I I think Chicago finishes with a slightly better record, and I and I think part of the reason is I just, you now have a coaching staff that I believe is is designing an actual offensive system that's going to help out Justin Fields immensely. Now, does he have talent to throw to? Not really. I mean, Komet could be taking a nice step in the right direction. Mooney could be a very solid wide receiver. He's not a one, but I think a very good wide receiver. And you actually aren't going to get him killed. So maybe there's the argument that says, based off like quality coaching, Fields could take a solid step in the right direction. But they're 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 reeking of, of a lack of talent and Detroit probably is in, is has more talent than Chicago right now. So I, ugh, maybe it is to try. They're both probably going to win like five, six games. They so both I'll stink. Chicago give them a slight edge unless they completely rip the shreds off. Okay. Um, all right. What's going on in your life? Normally, no, no, my me this, but I'll ask you what's going on live. Aren't you going on vacation soon? I am. Yeah. We're, we're we're trying to figure out a way to make sure that that nobody in the house gets sick because my wife and I uh, for our five year anniversary we're going to go out to the uh, Canadian Rockies for a week. Beautiful. We were going to do this trip summer of 2020, but then the the world shut down, um, so we pushed it back for you know we thought we were going to do it next year and then ended up having a kid. Uh, pushed it back another year, and we were supposed to take a, a few you know little mini family vacations. In January, that got pushed back to February. COVID scares both of those times. So, Verder and we we might have to to go on and, and wear hazmat suits out in public. I might have to you know pick up my kid from uh, from camp in, in a full looking like Walter White in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, you know, about to go on a cook, and that's fine. I we need to go on this trip. We have been waiting for it for. Uh, a long time do a bunch of hiking while we're out there uh it's supposed to be just absolutely insanely gorgeous uh spend a day or two in calgary and banff uh should be great assuming that uh, all of us can get there in one piece what about you that sounds great um i uh i hope it works out for you i when are you supposed to leave supposed to leave uh last tuesday in june so we got to survive survive the next week and then uh hopefully be on our way and are the kids going with you or is it just two of you <laughs> no no that's key uh, yeah leave leave the kids to the, their own devices hell yes the, have the got, neighbor uh, check like in for some Chicago coming in for a few days and then uh my, my in-laws which are in the, the kansas city area will watch them the rest of the way good for you that that's how you do it I, i'll tell you right now i got a, i got a two-month-old and, and if, if i could get away on vacation I just have the neighbor throw like a hamburger inside and let her fend for herself. Um, I look forward to somebody calling the feds after this. Uh, so the, look, the important thing, the really important thing that we got to close on, we made a bet with Carm about the NBA finals. That's right. We took the Warriors. He took the Celtics. The Warriors blew game one and Carm started talking all kinds of shit on Twitter after game one. Now that fraud dope, is down 3-2 in the series, okay? 
Steph Curry looked like me last night shooting threes. He was 0 for 9. He doesn't hit any of them. Tatum actually decided to play basketball, sort of, kind of. Um, And yet the Celtics lose by double digits. Now they have to go home and win just a force game seven in Golden State. I don't know about you. The the standing bet is Carmen have to buy each of us dinner. I am going to tell Carm that I want a full-blown steak dinner at Ruth Chris. I am I am going to make this as expensive as humanly possible on Carm if the if the uh, Warriors can get one more win here. I, I don't blame you. That's that is a strong play by you. Um, I mean, you can go Ruth's Chris, you can go Morton's, you might even try to get out to Chicago and see if he'll do uh, the full Gibson's experience if you want. Yep. There's uh, Chicago cut. I mean, you got plenty of options to choose from uh, in my former neck of the woods in Chicago. Honestly, if, if Carm sends me some 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 Al's or, or Portillo's, um, which I can't find in the Kansas City area, you can get plenty of good beef. You just can't get the good Italian beef right. with the with the good peppers and the jardinera. Um, I'll take that. I'll also take uh, a few loose pizzas that you can send in dry ice. Yeah, okay? not something you can find here. So. I think by, by the time that all gets packaged up, it might be the same price as a Ruth's Chris dinner. You never know. Um, but it, yesterday was one of those those days where like all these trends that aren't supposed to happen happen. Yesterday was the first time in Steph Curry's career in the postseason, 127 games, that he has not made a three-pointer. He had nine other wow. games where he has made at least one. That was the first time ever where he goes over. And they still get blown out and lose by 10. It, it's it's remarkable. And it was also the first time in the playoffs and in the last two-plus months that the Celtics have lost back-to-back games. Yeah. So all sorts of wild trends going at it. It's part of the reason that uh, the oddsmakers have the Celtics as four-point favorites for, for Thursday night. So I I see it going seven games. So um, it, it'll, it's, it's been a great series, even though the, the games at the end haven't been – as close as maybe you would like, but from drama perspective and the series likely going seven, I, I think it's been a very quality and the right NBA finals matchup for this season. It's been very good. It's been very compelling and it's nice to have new blood. Obviously the Warriors have been there many times, but they haven't been the last couple of years. The Celtics have not been there in a long time, which is a Knicks fan. I hope they don't come back for another 80 years, uh, but it, it's been fun to watch. I will say this. That game felt like last night as I was watching it in real time, I thought to myself, the Celtics better win this game because the Warriors could not be worse. Curry's having an awful game. Everybody and their mother's in foul trouble. You better win this game because you're not going to get it again. And they couldn't do it. The odds are, in my mind, Curry in one of these last two games, if not both of them, is going to have one of his like 40 point explosions and that's probably good night Tatum couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat this series you just cannot hit a shot I don't know what is with him when he's in the paint like he just can't score it's bizarre it reminds me of Julius Randle last year in the playoffs like Julius Randle just couldn't hit anything you're like what is happening you're huge just go to the basket like it's very weird um and then, and then, you know, as, as uh, our producer Sean mentions in the chat here, Andrew Wiggins finally living up this potential. The funny thing with Wiggins last night, who was great, who was great, best player on the court, um, he he couldn't hit a shot from outside. Like there were multiple times he missed the rim from downtown, but 
anything inside the arc, he was basically Julius Irving. Like it was just everything at the everything at the basket. So look, the point is the important point of this is if the Warriors can win one more game, I will do everything I can to make sure Carm has to take out a loan to, to lose this bet. I will do anything possible to screw Carm over. I'm involved. So um I you know, I would have just said Portillo's was fine because I love Portillo's, but now because of his smack talk, I want a porterhouse. And, and, and it's got to be top of the line, and then we're going to get a whole bunch of sides to go with it and really screw him, really screw him over, make it make it count. So you're not you're not concerned now that after he talked all that shit, you're bringing up the tab before the series is over. I have concerns about this, but I feel like, you know, for the sake of content, it's got to be said now. <laughs> um, okay, that's fair. So, so I, I do have concerns. I will leave it on this note as we get ready. Of course, I'm a huge hockey fan. The Stanley Cup final begins tomorrow. By the way, for the love of God, it is final, not finals. Uh, the Stanley Cup final begins uh, Tampa and Colorado. I am psyched. That is a great series. Colorado, probably the best team in hockey all year. Tampa Bay looking for its third straight Stanley Cup. Uh, unbelievable. No team has done that since the Oilers, or excuse me, since the Islanders before Islanders. those in the in the 1980s. When they ran off four in a row, the Oilers never did it. Actually, they won four in five years. Um, I, I cannot wait. A lot of speed. Uh, and, and look, I, I am happy for the Lightning because they took out the Rangers, who, as, as someone who grew up in New York but is not a Rangers fan, is a Devils fan. Thank you to the Lightning for taking out the trash. I, I could not, I could not deal with it. The Devils suck enough. Okay, I don't need the Rangers. <laughs> it's kind of how I feel about the Celtics. Like, I'm a Knicks fan. It's enough crap for me. I don't need the Celtics on top of that winning the championship. So, um, I can't wait. That should be a great final. If you if you are a casual fan or you maybe want to get into the sport more, watch that series. That will be hockey at its finest. Entertaining, up and down, a lot of goal scorers, great defensemen. I, I can't wait. And, by the way, my pick, although my best friend is a Colorado Avalanche fan, has been his whole life, my pick is the Lightning in six i think they will find a way to get it done that team just knows how to win that that might be a profitable enterprise for you because right now at win bet um they initially this is kind of nuts they listed the lightning as two to one underdogs to win the series and no immediately just got crushed <laughs> moved the lineup uh, last I've seen was uh, the Lightning at plus 155. So that okay. it moved up a sizable amount from plus 200 to plus 155. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, they've had a much tougher path to get to the Stanley Cup final compared to Colorado, who yes, I suppose St. Louis is, is a halfway decent team, but it's nowhere near the, the type of, of, of uh, teams that Tampa had to knock out along the way. The Panthers were actually the, the number one team in hockey yeah. this year. Number one offense by a wide margin, a historic offense. And Vasilevsky and the rest of that Lightning defense limited them to three stinking goals in four games. Just completely took them out of it. Um, so they've, they've been impressive. And if they get this series to a point where there's an elimination game on their side, Andre Vasilevsky, their goaltender, is insane. The, the numbers are at a historic pace for how good Tampa and Vasilevsky has been in those moments. So if you're Colorado, you better hope that you get off to a early lead 
and just try to hang on for dear life because you do not want Tampa up in this series, especially with the other side facing elimination. Well, look, we're running late and we got to go and I'll leave it at this, but I will say that is the reason I am picking them other than the fact they're so experienced. Vasilevsky, I believe that the best goaltender ever is right over my shoulder in Martin Brodor. Okay, as a Devils fan, yes, I am biased, but he he holds just about every record that matters. Vasilevsky reminds me of him in the sense if he, if they get a lead in a big game, it almost feels like a Titanic struggle just to tie it. Like it just is so hard. You mentioned Vasilevsky's numbers in eight in their last eight games where they've had a shot to close out a series. He's given up two goals total. Amazing. Total. Like, it's, you just can't score. You can't get by him. I mean, the Rangers, if anybody watched that game six, my God, the only reason they scored it, they got, they got in a power play. They, they did nothing the entire rest of the game. And, of course, there's a lot of credit to the Tampa's defense, just like back in the day. Jersey's defense was amazing. But Vasilevsky's a brick wall. I like Darcy Kemper as a goaltender in Colorado. He's fine. He is not Andre Vasilevsky. Like, there are going to be a couple games in this series where Colorado loses because he just can't score, despite how talented they are. Um, I just, I always believe in the goaltender and you mentioned the path, but Colorado has faced one tomato can after the next in net. Okay. St. Louis Bennington got hurt early in the series. Mike Smith is terrible. Um, I cannot remember for the life of who they even played in the first round. Whoever, oh, Nashville, who they just killed. Okay. Um, Vasilevsky is a step up in class to say the least. Uh, I, I just, I for my buddy back home, I, I I hope Colorado takes it for him. But I got to be honest, I think the Lightning are the team that I, I just I I can't pick against them. I cannot pick against that team um, when when they, they have a shot to win a cup. They, they haven't lost in years. Yeah, and, and don't forget Kadri for uh, for Colorado probably going to be missing this series after after taking a pretty serious hit. Um, and that was one of their better goal scorers over the course Huge. of the playoffs. Yep. Um, so that's a big loss for them, but yeah, they're still big favorites. Uh, I, I'm telling you though, I, I, I'm with you on Tampa, like the combination of goaltending with really good defensive play and being able to just take out your biggest strength, kind of like how we always talked about the Patriots on defense. Like they're, they're going to take away the thing you do best offensively for the rest of the uh, rest of the series. You're going to have to figure it out. That's what Tampa Bay has done. You know, after they adjusted against the Rangers, they lost four straight, and they were done. They couldn't score the rest of the way. Hey, you know what? Watson, and, and we really will wrap, but watching game six, I mean, the Lightning were up one nothing the whole game. They give up a goal with, like, five or six minutes left in the third period. They're like, wow, okay, you know, game seven's at the Garden if the Rangers can find a way to score again. The Lightning scored 21 seconds later. And it was one of those things that when it happened, you're like, this game's over. <laughs> they're just they're not losing this game uh but anyway i cannot wait we got look we got stanley cup final game one on wednesday nba finals on thursday game six back in boston hopefully we wrap that and we get a nice steak dinner out of it you get whatever you want uh, from you know, some lumals whatever it is from chicago until then until next week where we will know one way or the other who won this series right. and who won this bet which of course is the reason to tune in um we will be back Carm will be back heist will be back i'll be here of course uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Everybody who was in the chat, really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the show. Ben Heisler, I'm Matt Verderam. Thanks for listening to Stack the Box. We'll see you again next week. This podcast is brought to you by Fansided. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture 
and everything in between. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code program.